wonder what that was. It was a bottle. Hello. And we're live. Are we live? We are live. All right, yep. we're live. G'day, everyone. My name's Craig or Crafty from Craftworks Distillery, and this is Aussie Craft Distillers Shooting the Shit. It's our little little project where we interview. No, we don't. We shoot the shit with people in the industry, predominantly distillers, but also uh, maltsters and cooperers, uh, others, both in Australia and also internationally. So without further ado, I'll go around the room, introduce everyone, and then we will rip into it for an hour solid or maybe more. So to my left in the top corner, a good friend of mine, Luke, local nerd, distiller, maybe, uh, brewer and whiskey lover. Luke, how are you, mate? I am very good, thank you. Very, very good. Awesome. Awesome. Luke's the IT that holds this whole machine together. Without Luke, Very there's no machine. There's no wheels, <laughs> that's for sure. Seriously, right. using the force otherwise. <laughs> I think we're still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. To my bottom left is my good friend and right-hand man and collaborator at Craftworks Distillery, Todd, otherwise known as the Todd. Todd, how are you, mate? Fantastic. It's been awesome. Eight, awesome. eight and a half hours of wearing a mask today. I'm <laughs> well, well in need of some oxygen, I can tell you. Uh, you, you dirty Sydney side as you. <laughs> That's the one. Hold on, oh. you're a dirty Sydney sider. No, no, no. I'm not to he's, he's, ex he's escaped to the country. I don't know. I don't nothing. I'm in, I'm in Capity. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and to my bottom right is our guest tonight that we will be shooting the shit with. And it is Sam from Sunny Hill Distillery in sunny South Australia. G'day, Sam. How are you, mate? Uh, doing great, Crafty. Good to be here. Thank you for cutting my work day short so I could drink some beer and shoot the shit with you guys. Good. <laughs> awesome, mate. Awesome. All right, let's let's go around the room first because this is all about what people are drinking as well, supporting Australia, Australian craft, whether it's beer, whether it's spirits, whether it's wine. Uh, so, Luke, what are you drinking tonight? Now, I know, I know you're not drinking Australian, so we're making an exception to no. the rule, but my God, what an I exception. I am drinking Australian, but I will be switching to something else a little special later on. But um, I am what? sticking with the rules. I'm keeping, uh, yeah, keeping to the rules and keeping Australian. Ooh. Mm. I was uh, lucky enough to be down in Tassie, um, uh, northern Tassie, a uh, few weekends back, and I uh, stopped in at the uh, Hillwood Distillery, and it's an awesome little place. And this is a punch in the face at sixty-one point nine percent, but well, God, it's good. Nice, mate. Beautiful colour too. Uh, there. Yeah, it's um it, uh, hard to see in my light, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a lovely dropper. That's it's. Taking pride of place. Yeah, it's not a third full bourbon cast. That's for sure. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's lovely. Awesome. All right, uh, Todd, what are you drinking, mate? 
My second purchase from the World Whiskey Day out, out at Blackgate is um, Country oh. and Coast. So yeah. this is actually their second their second release of this I've just discovered. So nice, um, very nice. It's really nice. Drinking really well. So yeah, and that's a that's a good example of collaboration. Nice collab. Yeah, mm. awesome. Sam, what are you drinking, mate? Uh, well, I'm bucking the trend. I'm on the beers to start with. I always thought to have a couple of beers before I hit the whiskey. But uh, what I'm drinking at the moment is What's a Cowie SYP Ale. This is our local brewery, only 40 minutes down the road from us. Um, great guys, proper independent craft place. Um, some of their range as well, they use uh, local growing grain that they get mulched at the same mulch that I use. So, yes, um, yeah, great drop, great beers. Um, they like to keep it quite traditional. They don't have any of these crazy milkshake-tasting beers and all that sort of crap. So, yeah, <laughs> no, what kind of beer? No yeah. bacon in the beer, eh? No, 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 not them. I don't mind those beers, but only one. You can't yeah, drink a six-pack of them. I call them novelty beers. Yeah, of course, they 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 they're a uh, experience. You enjoy them once, and then you move on to something that you enjoy drinking. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> well, I'm on a, I'm on a beer as well, Sam. So I'm joining you, and so that'll be the back uh, of the can. Good friend of mine, if I can <laughs> oh. turn it the right way. That's Hop the and one. Clover Irish Red Ale. Uh, this is my favourite beer. This is my go-to beer in, in Capity. Um, and it's a, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's got a bit of body to it. It's it's rich in flavour. It's got a smoky note. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful beer this time of year too. So, yeah, that's what I'm on. All right. Let's, let's do this, eh? Okay. So, mm. Sam, let's start with tell us who you are, uh, where you are, what you do, and why you do it. Yep, not easy. So, so we're sitting on Sunny Hill Farm, hence the name Sunny Hill Distillery. That's our property name. Uh, we're located on the York Peninsula, about an hour and a half to the west of Adelaide. So, yeah, we're in a, not a far location. Uh, it is quite a tourist area around here as well. Outside of agriculture, tourism is the next biggest industry. So, hence why we've got a lovely tasting room where people can come and visit. Um, yeah, we... Here on Sunny Hill, we like to make everything from crop to drop. That's our motto. Uh, we take barley off the paddocks. We take it to a maltster. We get it malted. We bring it back. We mash, ferment, distill, barrel on site. Um, our first whiskey actually clicks over the magical two-year marks in six days' time. So oh. I'm hoping the quality yeah, is where I want it. Um, last time I tasted it was probably seven, eight weeks ago. Still had a note in it that I'm not a big fan of, but that is dissipating, so hopefully that's gone um, and hopefully it's turned into something even better. Um, the whiskey um, mentioned before doesn't pay our bills. In So what we also do is we use wheat that's grown on the property. Uh, we use actually raw wheat. We grow it, we reap it. Well, I don't, the farmers do. Um, <laughs> gets held in a silo on site. We bag it out on brew day. We mash, ferment, distill, reduce, bottle everything entirely on site the grain does not leave the property so it is literally grown as a grain and leaves as a bottle um, mm. we then take part of that vodka and we redistill that to make our gins so we've got a dry gin and a pink gin uh, that's what's going on behind me you can't really see but um yeah the dry gin runs well, out today sitting sitting down before whilst you went off camera he's sitting it's, yeah it's a very slow process. That gin still is only a hundred litre um, electric still. We only do a hundred bottle batches at a time, but it takes us twelve wow. hours to distill that. We distill everything wow. very slow here, and that's one of the elements where our quality comes from. Um, yeah, we've also got a couple of cures as well. We've got a chocolate liqueur, a coffee liqueur, 
and uh, limoncello, seasonal limoncello. We're about to go up to the Riverland and peel some more lemons next Monday. Um, we can't get the lemons delivered here because of fruit fly and the riverina or the river region at the moment. So, yeah, we're actually going to go, me and my crew are going to go on site and peel the lemons there, whack it in a drum of ethanol and bring it back. So I don't think the fruit, fruit flies are going to live in 95.6% alcohol. So I think we should be good with the uh, no. checkpoints. Um, <laughs> yeah, at Coffee Liqueur, uh, we use a local cafe that does his own cold drip coffee. So I'll go up to him and get 80 litres of cold drip off him and, yeah, mix up a batch of our liqueur. That's won a few awards. Uh, all our products have actually, but um, our chocolate liqueur is a very mm. unique product. It's very thick, it's shelf stable, it doesn't separate. Um, yeah, very, very unique product, that one. Um, great for putting on ice cream and things like that as well. And if you freeze it, it turns into sort of like a mousse, which is really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up because that's yeah, yeah, amazing. Much on our website. Yep, yep. Um, also, with that as well, we do have uh, three barrels of rum. Uh, cooking away under our tin on our mezzanine, and we also got two barrels of brandy down as well. One of them was with a collab with a local winery that had um, a couple of barrels that they had some slight infections in. Um, instead of tipping it down the drain, we turned their 900 litres of wine into 100 litres of brandy. So, yeah, looking forward to see what that does in the barrel because brandy is the most goddamn awful thing straight off of steel. It is very offensive, but... But once it turns in the barrel, it becomes something magical. So, yeah, looking forward to yeah, seeing no. which one it goes. So that's, yeah. a, that's a lot of different styles of Oh, product. yeah. Mm. It is. Yeah. Well, how long have you been going? You know, if, if you want to be called a distiller, you need to know how to distill everything is the yeah. way how I long, see it. How long have you been going, Sam? Uh, so we've been open to the public here since the 1st of December 2019. So we're mm. coming up on three years of being open, but... I mean, I started distilling back in the very early 2000s, you know, obviously not in a commercial yeah. setting. Um, don't tell the ATO. <laughs> um, well, you were, <laughs> I, I thought you that's were interesting, very actually. Well, you're the only person, <laughs> you're the only person with experience that we've spoken to. Mm. Uh, everybody else is like, oh, yeah, I went and did a course and I, I went and did this and I did that and then I got my still. Is that just, yeah. yeah. And I've never actually done a formal course. I've never done any actual brewing or distilling course ever. All very much self-taught, lots of study, reading actual proper books like textbooks, um, not just some shit someone wrote on the internet. Um, mm. The amount of people that try to learn distilling from YouTube is just downright dangerous. Good way to burn yeah. your shed down. Um, yeah, so that's how I learned. But the reason I do this is because I love it. You know, I started off with beer, went into spirits, um, been doing it for a long time. Uh, my previous career, I used to travel in and out of the country a lot, um, and that meant I had access to duty free. So, I, you know, it wouldn't be surprised for me to spend fifteen hundred dollars on whiskey on the way back in. I had an mm. absolutely fantastic collection going for a while. Um, yeah. you know, some memorable ones, you know, like Glenlivet twenty five, Glenfiddich thirty. You know, I, I love my space side whiskey. Anything with a Glen in front is usually pretty good. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, that's where my passion for whiskey sort of came from. And, yeah, now I get to make it. And, yeah, awesome. in six days' yeah. time, I can actually say I have some whiskey, <laughs> finally. Now, is that – so you, you mentioned before that you've got – you take your wheat off the paddock. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes. Yep. And then you make your vodka and gin out of, out of the wheat. Yes. Uh, yep. Your whiskey is made out of wheat or out of barley? No, no, out of barley. Yep. Out of barley, yep. right. Yep, so we use barley that's grown on the property as well. We do take right. that off to a small maltster, um, trades his yep. uh, Barossa Valley Craft Malt. He's a farmer by trade, but he does the malting as a side business. 
Because, um, yeah, he, uh, small batches, he does about 400 kilos at a time, but he's upping his system at the moment. Hopefully in time for next year, he'll be able to do sort of between two and four tonne at a time, which would work much yeah. better. Um, so, yeah, we sort of plan it so we can get the malt down to him, and as soon as it comes back, bang, we go straight into whiskey production. So first half of this year, we've just been ramping up, getting our core range you know, get, get my exercise cage heaving with that core range. So when we turn our attention to whiskey for two months, we've still got stock to sell to the public and serve behind our bar as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's sort of the plan. You know, if I could make whiskey all day, every day I would, but the whiskey in the barrel doesn't pay my bills, doesn't pay my overheads, doesn't pay my staff, that doesn't pay for anything. So that's that's the necessity to make the vodka in the gym. But we're very happy with that vodka. Um, we won... Uh, Australia's best pure neutral vodka out of the World Spirit Awards in London last year. That well done. Great award to win. Yeah, um, very tough as well. Um, good, good to win international awards like that. Uh, we don't do so well in Australian awards with our vodka or our gin. Um, it's funny our gins come back from the awards saying there's this weird botanical that we don't know what it is. It's like yeah, that's because it's our vodka. It's not. We're not loading our steel with a drum of tarak and manildra. It's actually vodka. It's not industrial ethanol so there's mm. there's a base there to start with but, but yeah, it throws yeah. the judges it really throws the judges because their palates are just so attuned to that other style but mm. but at the end of the day the awards don't really mean that much it's good to have a benchmark in the industry but mm. we don't sell to dan murphy's and things like that so i don't see the point of putting all these little medals on bottles because it it doesn't mm. have any point of difference for our product so mm. we, we probably won't enter any more comps and because they're goddamn expensive too especially when you start talking San Francisco, place like that, is 500 US per product. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. 800 bucks a product, you've got five products, like, <laughs> it gets expensive quick. And do you see a return on that investment? Probably not. No, mm. a lot of distillers say that. Let's let's go back to the um, what, what you said about you You basically learnt, um, yeah, you learnt behind the scenes and so once you... What, once you had a position, you had a distillery set up, so you hit the deck running. So you didn't go through that steep, painful learning curve. Now, if I – and this is something which I'll, I'll reflect on myself. Um, so I, I went in straight to my first time distilling was on someone else's still, large still, um, and then, you know, we got our 970-litre sunflower still number one, and – did basically a lot of fuck ups, um, <laughs> learning as, as we went along. Oh, yeah. right? But we, we've got a couple of barrels called fuck up, um, and yep. we'll see what happens with that. Um, and I'm now getting to the point, so I've been doing it now, distilling for four, four years, three, yeah, four, yeah, nearly four years. Um, and now getting to the point where taking the learnings. And now going to another level, right? So I've done I've done all the research, uh, still doing research, right? And feeling a lot lot more comfortable. So I'm I've come at it from a different way that, that you've come at it, right? So I guess where I'm trying to get with this is so you've done learning, you've had experience, uh, you've fired up your still. Have you basically fired up your distillery and gone, that's it, I'm happy. This is what I'm saying, or are you going? Oh fuck no! This is a rabbit hole, and now there's all these additional new learnings, and, and mm. you're still learning and, and focused on learning. The, the day you stop learning is the day you die. You never you'll never know everything about everything, and I'm well aware of that fact. There's plenty more I've got to learn. Um, 
But yeah, and don't think there's been no fuck up to you. Like it's <laughs> especially when we had the stupid idea to make vodka from 100% raw wheat. Try to try to make a whiskey mash using raw wheat. It just doesn't work. Trying to separate the grain, like trying to sparge and louder, it's just impossible. You can load the shit out with rice holes to try to help, but then the day yep. wheat doesn't have a hull on it. Like it's you know, then then all the rice holes block your heat exchanger and yeah, oh, we've had Pulling apart heat exchanger sucks. Well, pulling apart, <laughs> not too bad. Putting, back, putting it back together is the hard part. Um, I know brewers that have never pulled apart the heat exchanger because they're just frightened to do it. Um, I did it once, yeah. and, I, and I destroyed one heat exchanger. Yeah, we, we, it's still in pieces, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, got, I've got spare seals sitting there for mine in case I do eventually screw them up, and I probably will. But, yeah, you've got to have the spares on hand just in case. But, no, there's been plenty of learning, um, you know, and to be honest, before we started this, I hadn't actually distilled that much gin before, you know. Right. It's, and then that gin's not my passion. It's, you know, we're very happy with that product and that's just part of the market that is so hungry at the moment. It's ridiculous. Mm. It really is. Um, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, like the whiskey market is very hungry as well, but um, the price point definitely drives a lot of people out of that market as well where gin is a lot more accessible to your average person. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've had oh, I've had plenty of fuck ups. Like when we before we launched, you know, we were still trialing our vodka, and we had a date set. Bang, we're opening this day. We were literally bottling our first batch of vodka the night before we opened. We didn't finish bottling until about two in the morning. So yeah, it's that was stress levels are sort of through the roof at that point. Um, can't really open a distillery without any product. Yeah, um, but you know, that's but that's multiple batches to try to do. Um, and you know, on a on a commercial scale as well, and as I'm sure you're fully aware, there's that many variables with whiskey. It's like there's just never ending, never ending options. It's there's just so much. Mm. It's it's not just as simple as making a beer and whacking it in a barrel. It's no. yeah, there's so many things. You know, uh, where where do you start? Where, where, uh, when you when you're putting together your your whiskey where did you start from did you start with a, a flavor profile that you were looking for or you were trying to um uh, you just thought let's just do it and see what happens how how did your process start there yeah so like i said spaceside whiskey is my passion if i could make anything half as good as what those guys knock out i'd die a happy man um but we sort of at the end of the day you're sort of confined to the elements around you as well um using our own grain to start with, um, you know, that's going to be, so that's our malt. You can't really change the flavour profile of that unless you're going to kill it to another degree or whatever. Um, but we, you know, just have it done as a standard pale malt and that's our grain. So that's going to be part of our base flavour to start with. Uh, we try to use the best barrels we can source. Um, we've been laying them down in multiple barrels just to see what that malt does with those barrels. Um, but at the end of the day, it's down to our climate as well. You know, I'm... I do um, production floor tours with people and I explain to them, you know, like you could go to any distillery in Scotland, get them to fill two barrels, they keep one there, we would bring one back here. After five years, you wouldn't even think they're from the same distillery. That's, yeah. you know, climate is a, big, is a big thing with it. So, you know, our first whiskey, it's going to be, people ask me what it's going to be, I say, well, it's going to be York Peninsula whiskey. That's what it is. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, you know I, we can get it and... And in my book, it's either going to be good or it's going to be shit. It's yeah. You know, and if it's shit, I won't release it. Yeah, you know, we don't release any products we're not happy with. It's mm. you know, and we'll just have to see how it is. It's you know, yeah. There's some things are out of your control. You can 
do as much as you can. We've played it pretty safe with our first um, lots of whiskey. You know, we've done very traditional mashing process, um, you know, hit right in the middle, six, seven degree mash temp, um, you know, with loudering, sparging, fermenting at a, at a fairly cool temp, uh, standard M1 whiskey yeast. Uh, our cuts, something that I know I've had this discussion with a few people. A lot of people say you can't make whiskey in a plated column still. That's bullshit. If you can't, you don't know how to run one properly. Um, you know, I'm, and I've, I fully get running whiskey through a pot still, um, yep. but that's not the equipment we have. And for all yep. the rest of our production purposes, it's, you know, it's not for me anyway. You know, I, I, five years time, I might change my tune and sell my plates and get a big pot still. Who knows? <laughs> you know, you, run, run, you run it as a pot still configuration with your, with your plates? or how, how No, do you no, I still run over four plates, single pass. Yeah. So then that's the beauty yeah. of a plated still. Okay. You don't have to strip and then spirit run. Um, yeah. But, you know, we run it at a speed fast enough that the ABV will drop. It won't drop as fast as a pot still, but it won't hold a high ABV. You know, my four plate... Um, brown spirit still, I could hold that at 92% all day if I wanted to, but you know, you're just going to strip too much flavor. So, yeah, we're sort of running it halfway between a crappy four plate reflux and a pot still, it's sort of somewhere in between. But you know, our, our cut points have been pretty tight for our first barrels as two, just because I wanted to play it safe. Um, yeah. you know, I'd definitely rather our next lot of batches to go, go out on that scale a bit. Um, one big thing we're looking at this year as well. Uh, being on the farm, we've only got single-phase power here, so we're very confined to what we can use. So we've actually got an LPG-fired steam boiler here. We've got a 100-kilowatt steam boiler. Um, wow. Very expensive to install, but um, it's awesome. Like, the power of it is excellent, and, you know, we don't get scorching on anything either. So yep. with our vodka, we actually, we actually mash, ferment, and distill on the grain. Um, and we're looking at giving that a crack with the whiskey as well. Um, one of the beauties of doing that as well is that you get 100% efficiency. It's all going in. So yeah, yeah. I believe with the whiskey, we'll probably get a bit of bolder flavour profile as well um, with it from sitting on the grain. Whether it's bolder in a good way or a bad way will be yet to be determined, but I'd like to do some side-by-sides of your traditional off-grain to doing some on-grain this year once we get our yeah, that'd back. Be interesting. interesting. That's interesting. Experience. What about yeah. your barrels? Are you going into... Um Toast and charred barrels, charred barrels, or, or just uh, wet wood wine barrels? No, no, all, um, they've all been re, re-charred, re-toasted. So we've got two ex-bourbon barrels from Heaven Hills Distillery in the States. Yeah. They have been um, – so the two Coopers we use is AP John Coopers in the Barossa and also Sepperfield Cooperage in the Barossa as well, yeah. um, depending on what we're doing. Uh, new barrels usually out of AP John's. Um, Sepperfield do more remake work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but they're all re-toasted, re- uh, re-charred, re- sorry, re-shaved and re-toasted. Well, charred. We've yeah, yeah. French charred the toast. Um, we've got a couple of brand new French oak barrels as well. Same with the medium char. Um, one of our rums is actually in a very old port barrel that we had recouped down from three hundred liters down to hundred liters um, at Cecil Cooperage. And yeah, look, before you filled that, you smell it as just all you can smell is the port still. It was awesome, <laughs> even after the re. Reshaving and recharring, like you can still smell it, but you know, that had port sitting in a pub for like 40 years. So, oh, wow, nice. so it's definitely saturation, right, guys? Yeah, I'm gonna pull out the this is new, oh. this, is, this is a new segment. It took them hours to make that thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, <laughs> and this is because in the shed, um, you got to grab a stick to stop people. 
to get a fucking word in the shed. So I'm some people in particular, by the way, more than others. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the reason reason why I pulled it out is because we're now going to have the Todd's five seconds of fame, and we're going to have a couple of Todd's five seconds of fame because Todd Fantastic. is an apprentice. And, and Todd has questions that he's busting to ask the Stillers. So <laughs> he has an ulterior motive to be part of this. So, Todd, here's, here's the talking stick, mate. I'm, I'm passing it down. Right. You got it? Oh, thank it's all you. yours. I've, I've got it. What do you want to ask? <laughs> okay, so I guess from, from my point is um, what have you found is the most difficult thing to sort of to, to learn? In, in your process so far? Ooh. Oh, it starts with a hard one. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, mm. Shit, that's a good one. Um, just, I'll help you out. So the most difficult thing I've had to learn is patience. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. But, yeah. So. Um, elaborate, elaborate on the patience, Todd. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, have you ever heard of the thing about um, what is the definition of stress? What's that? O overriding the body's basic desire to, to strangle the living shit out of someone who desperately deserves it. Yeah. Some days <laughs> at the shed, there's a certain person I work with that you just want to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know... Yeah, no, that gives me a, yeah, a different take on it. No, probably the hardest <laughs> thing for me to learn was the fact that me working 80 to 90 hour weeks in the distillery is just not sustainable. You know, no. that's why I've got another distiller behind me right now and we've actually taken on a, a young lad, young 23-year-old who is keen as a bean to learn and, you know, he's got initiative, he's got drive, he's got, you know, the willingness to learn, he's got... You know, I'm, I'm sure that I can teach him, um, you know, and it's the direct result of us being able to hire him is with the new tax reforms coming in. So, you know, yeah, that gives us... Excellent, mate. Excellent. Yeah. Actually, um, yeah, got some room to... Got some room to breathe, so to say, because, yeah. yeah, it's... You know, our, our distillery, as much as I, I've tried to keep on the production floor, being the owner and the director of the business as well, along with my wife, you know, I have to be a part of the tasting room as well and... You know, since we've opened, we've expanded that multiple times. You know, this year we're looking at putting in an outside toilet block to bring our capacity up to 300. So it's, yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's wow. it's absolutely incredible the amount of people we get through the doors on some days. It's Because we are, like, we're, we're farm-based. The nearest town to us, well, not including Arthur, which is our smallest, well, it's the closest town, but it's a very, very tiny town. Um, our next, All our next bigger towns are all at least 20 minutes drive away. So... You know, people, we don't get foot traffic here. We don't get anyone walking past going, oh, look, there's a distillery. Let's just pop in. People yeah. have actually made the decision to come here, which is just, yeah, blows me away. Every every day we we have a busy day, which is most of the days these days, which is, <laughs> yeah, good. How, good how do you get the story out? How do you, how do you get Sunny Hill? Uh, yeah, story social out? media is a big one, obviously. Um, we don't spend much money on advertising at all. The best, the best thing advertising-wise I find is word of mouth. That is yeah. seriously, you know, that sounds like a cliche to say, but it, it seriously is. You know, if, if someone comes over here from Adelaide or Melbourne or Sydney or whatever and they have a good time, they're going to go home and tell their friends. Mm. You, know? Mm. you know, if every person that comes here tells six friends that, you know, it's the same way social media works, it just keeps getting out there. Um, and 
word of mouth as well, you know, you can read something, you can see it on TV, but when one of your good mates goes, hey, you should really go check this place out, that's when you're going to go do it. I've done that um, in a different way too, uh, just locally. So uh, people come in to sell a door and they taste and you know, 95% of people come in to sell a door will buy something. And then you say, well, where are you going? You pass them through. Where are you going? Oh, we're going to such and such pub. And I go, oh, can you take a brochure? And when you go to the pub, so you, you were at Craftworks and, and you met Crafty and, and Todd and uh, loved their whiskeys. It would be really cool if you had it on the bar. So they actually become your, your soldiers of promotion. And so mm, yeah. I go into the bars and they already know me. They already know my product. And they go, yeah, yeah we, we've heard about you. We, we want your product on the bar. So it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, word of mouth is a powerful, powerful yeah. thing. Word of no, mouth. That's a good way to do it. Getting spirit into people's mouths. That's the key, isn't it? Yes, mm. that's right. Um, we're a very small region here too. Like the York Peninsula is not a big population. I think it's probably got 40,000 people on it in the whole place, you know, and it stretches, yeah. you know, like 150 Ks by, you know, sort of 50 Ks wide. Um, but, yeah, it is a very small population base, but that population in some parts triples over the tourist season. So, mm. We rely a lot on the tourists, um, but, yeah. you know, we we work in conjunction with a lot of the local businesses. You know, if someone comes here and they go on somewhere for dinner, we give them options on where to go. Um, like we, we supply a lot of the local hotels and cafes and things like that, so people may have already seen our product before they get here. Um, but it, it, it's a hard thing to track. If you knew how every single person that came through you just already heard about you, that would make things a lot easier. But when you're busy, you just don't have time to ask people that. It's... Yeah. Yeah. You don't know if they, you know, they don't know if they seen the street sign or if they seen a Facebook post or seen the product somewhere or picked up a brochure at the tourist information centre. It's yeah, yeah, you just can't judge it. But, yeah. you know, most, of our, most of our advertising is actually in sponsorship of local sporting clubs. Um, you know, with a major sponsor for uh, our local footy team, of lads play footy for them, so it sort of makes sense as well. So yeah, um, yeah so that, that's where most of our advertising budget goes. Yeah, right. There's a there's a question that's popped up on the screen from the Martini Whisperer. It's a really, really interesting question. So what do you guys think about the tsunami of Australian whiskey about to appear on the market? I'll, I'll comment on that. And then, uh, yeah, Sam, if you want to comment as well, and others, if you guys want to yeah. comment, it would be quite good. So my, my take on this is um, I, use, I use the analogy that uh, – we're all in, a, in a, a pond and we all play in our areas of the pond and the pond is getting bigger and there's a lot more, lot more players for sure. Um, but if you play in your, your area of the pond and you do a good job in your area of the pond, um, I think you'll, you'll be okay. I think it's great that there's going to be a lot of different Australian whiskies coming onto the market. Mm. I mean, we, we've got a, a lot of the, the first wave, second wave distilleries that have released, um, and I'm you know I'm drinking a great one tonight. The Dugite from uh, Lime Burners, they've been on the scene for many many years, right? Um, but as more and more distilleries come on come on the scene, if they do a good job in promoting and produce a good product and lift the whole profile of, of Australian whiskies, I, I think it's I personally think mm. it's a uh, it's a good thing. I don't think it's something to be scared of. I think it's very no. important to be aware of your competitors, but I think it's also more important to be aware of your own business 
and where your focus is and, and what do you want to do and so you people want to buy your product? What do you think? Yeah, no, yeah, no I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I generally don't really take too much notice of what other people are doing. That's not my business. My business is my business and and quality is everything. You know, our brand has been built on quality thus far and I want our whiskey and our rum and our brandies to continue with that. Um, as long as as long as this flood of Australian whiskey is good quality, that's great. But mm. if it's going to be a flood of stuff that wasn't treated right, wasn't distilled right, and then aged in 20-litre mm. barrels for two years in a hot climate, well, yeah, yeah that's not going to be good for anybody. Yeah. But, but I mean, we've, we've, we can see that in Scotland there are countless distilleries and there are countless brands and and um and uh, qualities of whiskey that all have their place in the market. Um, sure, I'm not a huge fan of the uh, the ones that are stocked in Aldi, uh, but they are a Scotch whiskey. They're they're distilled. People love them and obviously drink them, and mm. but they're not a threat to your Brooklatics or. Uh, your your Glen Finishers or anything else that out there, they've got yeah. their spot. There there will be, I think, room in the Australian market for that lower tier, if you will. Um, I don't think we've seen any. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the problem with that well is that. I think the big boys would actually be more worried. Um, look at the craft beer industry, just to, to draw a parallel. That uh, yeah, point. came out, CUB Alon, whoever said, look, our big beers aren't selling as well because the craft beer market's starting to nibble our share. You know, if the yeah. big boys are worried about it, that's, I think that's, well, one, it's funny, and two, it's interesting. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, people like Johnny Walker might face the same issue eventually. You know, they might see in, especially more developed countries like Australia, People might not buy as much of the product, and you know, and the trend's been going for. I read one of the um, those um, Iowa's World reports. This was years ago, and that even said then, you know, beverages and whiskey and whatever else, it's going the same way as food. People would rather have less but have better off. So yeah. you know, instead of having macas every day, you go you have a nice steak once a week. Same with whiskey. Yeah. You know, people aren't out to drink a bottle of Johnny Walker and get plastered every night. They'd rather save their money up and buy a very nice bottle of whiskey and, you know, have a few drams here and there. So, yeah. The other yeah. thing too, which is, which is good is you've got, um, you've got, I call them the draw bridges. So you've got the likes of um, Starwood, uh, Archie Rose, Lime Burners, Lark that are, that are putting into the market uh, lower price point whiskies, closing yeah. the gap on, on some of the international, you know, the Johnny Walkers and that. And mm. now in doing that, what they're doing is they're lowering a drawbridge and they're allowing consumers who would normally drink a Johnny Walker or a Jim Beam to go, oh, I'll pay a few extra bucks and I'll try something Australian. In doing that, it's bringing them across the drawbridge and, mm. and if they have a good experience, then they go, well, I really enjoyed that lime burners or, or that, that Nant or that whatever and go, what else is out there? Yeah. I'm prepared to pay another 50 bucks or something. What else is out there? So I mm. personally, I, I think with what Starwood did with Twofold, it was genius. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely. And it's, and it's yeah. good whiskey. It's all, help, it's all helping the industry very much. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Todd, you're a, you're a whiskey consumer. You buy a lot of whiskeys. 
don't tell mm. Kathy, but you do. Uh, anyway, <laughs> she knows. Um, she what's, knows. What's yeah. your take on it? The the, the flood of of you know, so called flood of Australian whiskies coming on the market. I I feel that it's a good thing, in the sense that yeah. let's, let's face it, we we haven't found the true blue Australian style yet, really. And I think that that will start slowly develop as more market, as more distilleries come online. I guess we've talked about in the past that one of the concerns I have is is that um, there's these guys that are just going to pop up and go, "Hey, I'm here, and here's my product," and they're going to get burnt. And um, yeah, because as as we all know in the room, it takes a lot of effort to to, to try and get your brand out there and, and to and to get recognised. And if you, if you if people are just sitting there on their barrels and then all of a sudden go and release them to the market and think they're going to sell out it's probably not going to happen so it's probably going to hurt a lot of people yeah oh that's good all right let's finish that conversation that, that was a really good question by the martini whisperer thank you philip that was good um sam so when i started i started with a love of scotch um drinking scotch and over the course of time, started to find uh, American whiskies. And now I think Craftworks, we're much more influenced by what's going on in America, um, you know, what's going on with the creation of, of American single malt um, and the use of specialty grains and, and, and different ways of, of, of distilling and that. So from your standpoint, you've mentioned Speyside a couple of times, so obviously you're, you're, you're a big Speyside fan and a Scotch fan. But in your, in your approach to making whiskey specifically, um, we, are you more drawn to what's going on in America, more influenced by what's going on in America and, and, and focused on that, or, or what would you say traditional Scotch? Yeah, I don't think I follow it probably anywhere near as hard as what you do. But, um, but you know, yeah, my heart still does lie with Scottish whiskies. But, I mean, the simple fact that I'm running a plate of column still, you know, I'd get, you know, probably bum-rushed out of Scotland if I ever mentioned it over there. So, um, you know, so no, that's probably a lot more of American influence right there. But um, never really got into my bourbons, um, like sort of uh, Sazerac Rise and things like that. I think it's very interesting and excellent. Uh, I don't think I've actually had the opportunity to drink a proper American single malt. Um, being in our location, I don't, unfortunately, I don't get out much. And I, when I've got free time, I don't think about getting online and buying whiskey. I'm usually doing something else. So um, I should probably try to start building my collection again because I know there's been, yeah, a lot of new things come come out that, mm -hmm. yeah, I would really like to try. Um, love to get to some high-end whiskey bars again one day. Um, Excellent one being Baxter's in Sydney. That's obviously one of the premier oh, yes. ones. I don't, I don't think I'll be flying to Sydney anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry, we're not flying. So no, we're not flying down your, uh, Thinking of your wheat. Oh, uh, yes. That's good. We're at uh, Whiskey Live. Uh, Todd was my um, my stand-in dad for the for the Whiskey Live thing. As my dad, <laughs> from Victoria, couldn't fly up. Uh, well, he could fly up and just could fly home again. Yeah. So he yeah. uh, was very disappointed to not be able to come. Uh, but it was it was interesting. Where Todd and I tried this one, the uh, mm. the uh, the dry fly Dryfly. wheat whiskey, which I'd never yeah. heard of before. I'd never heard mm. of a, a straight wheat whiskey, and it is interesting. It's different, mm. and it was it was 
certainly good enough that I wanted to buy a bottle of it uh, to have in the collection and to uh, have a little sample of. And it's 60%. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's up there. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I don't think I've tried 100% wheat whiskey before. Um, people have asked if we're going to do a wheat whiskey, but that's not really on our radar right now. I'm yeah. hoping in a few years' time I've got a lot more time to do those sort of experimental batches, but at the moment it's, yeah, for, mm. I think for the sake of the business it's just trying to get some sort of, well, not really consistent product, but a consistent quality of product. Um, yeah out into the market but uh, where is that wheat whiskey from is that an australian one no it's american american, american yeah. yeah i was gonna yeah, say yeah, I've like distilling, yeah. they've been around a few years um, okay, yeah, washington. I should Google. Yeah. spokane washington dryflydistilling.com oh, yeah. oh washington yep. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. yeah. Have a and it's it's an interesting one i mean experimenting with the grains and i mean yes barley is is the 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 crux of uh the core of of whiskey, uh, but yeah. there are yeah. other grains as well. But oh, there is. Barley, barley is I the most flavoursome cereal grain. Mm. Yeah. I think and that's Upshot doing quinoa. Upshot over in Perth, oh, they yeah. Use, yeah. Uh, they've used some quinoa uh, yeah. in their whiskey. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, also the rye in Australia, I think, is going to become more prevalent. I think there's more people sort of playing in that space as well, which is, yeah, which is again, it, it's cool. Like the diversity, it's, um, yeah. But it, again, take the craft beer market. You know, the amount of beer styles that have popped up in the last five years, like it's it's, it's oh, done yeah. ridiculous. But it's, but hey, people are buying it. So mm. why can't distillers be creative with their products too? I mean, you take the gin market. I mean, well, you just go pick some of the weirdest botanical you can find and whack it into your gin, and there you go. Where <laughs> so, you go, yeah. <laughs> but you can do it. Let's talk about the What's gin that? market. So, yeah. So you're in. You're in gin. You you um, you've been in gin for a while. So how did how did you get it? I know I know cash flow is, is a big thing with gin, but um, yeah. And you know, it's just it sells. It's off the shelf. It's crazy stuff, and the growth's not going going away anytime soon. But how did you go about learning to make gin? Because gin is gin to me is is another whole rabbit hole. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's such a creative platform. You can go crazy on gin. Um, oh yeah, there's a lot of it? there's a lot of space to it. Um, I mean, got to ask yourself straight up whether you want to make a you know a more classic gin or you want to make a more contemporary new age gin. It's um, and, you know, there's only, there's only really a couple of ways to do it. You can either tank macerate your botanicals in the tank and distill it that way, which gives you a lot bolder flavours, or you can vapour infuse them in a basket, which gives you a lot lighter flavours, which lends itself more to, you know, rose petals and things like that. Um, yeah. The other way to do it is to make, like, a bathtub gin and you don't want to make that commercially. It's, you know, literally soaking it in your bathtub then drinking it, so um, yeah. not ideal. So you really only got those two main processes to work with, um, unless of course you want to steep something afterwards. Um, if you're, you know, going down the flavoured gin path, uh, end of day, as long as you got juniper in it, you can call it gin. So um, there's that many gins on the market. I actually had a rep come out here. Who's, I don't know what he was trying to sell, but my wife came and said, "Do you want to come try some gins?" And I'm like, oh, "Yeah, why not?" And he had six gins lined up for me. Only one of them actually tastes like gin. The rest just tastes like flavoured vodka. I'm like. Mm. You know, what is this? But that's mm. sort of the way that it's going. But 
But if you're going to do that, just call it a flavoured vodka. Um, but as, as soon as you slap the label gin on something, people just go mental for it. Um, yeah, it's it's unreal. But, you know, we're, we're unique, actually. Well, I've found a third one now. So there's three of us in South Australia that actually make our own base product. Um, I don't know, they'd be Australia-wide. There might be, I don't know, maybe 20 to 30 that do all the same as us. But the cold, hard reality is that every other gin distillery just buys in a base product. It's, you know, and I know my overheads to make vodka. You know, I've got two 12-hour brew days, I've got two nine-hour scripts, and I've got a 35-hour spirit run to make 300 bottles of vodka. So mm. by the time... By the time you've done all that and then you've redistilled it to make gin, you've got a lot of cost in that bottle. If you go buy a drum of ethanol and distill it once, it takes you 10 hours to make a 1,000 bottles and you mm. sell it for the same price I do, well, your profit margin is going to be massive compared mm. to us. But, but that's just the way it is. And, again, you know, if, if I wanted to make money, I wouldn't be in this business. Um, <laughs> we've, we've, we've got other revenue streams that, keep my family fed um if i had to rely on this to make me money well we would have starved a couple of years ago by now <laughs> <laughs> but we do it because i love it it's not because we've got a profit margin we're not doing it in with the grand idea to get sold out to a big company you know like my distillery my shed here um when i walk out my shed i walk 15 steps to my bedroom door and that's my house so <laughs> 15 um, steps does that make yeah. it difficult to switch off? It does. You do get stuck. You go, oh, I'll just come out and, you know, I'll just do an hour doing this. And then, yeah, six hours later, you're like, oh, shit, I had all this other stuff I was meant to do and it didn't get done. But yeah. um, it, it helps the – it's a short commute home. At least you can have a couple of knockoff beers and the cops aren't going to pull me over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Mate, my, 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 commute, my commute is on a good day. Uh, or Yeah. I, do, I stay for a couple of days at a time. It's two and a half hours door to door to my shed. Yeah, so, wow. So I, yeah. I definitely, uh, yeah. And I'm on a bad day? day, on a bad day, six hours. Yeah, uh, yeah. Done rest. Oh. So I get, in, I get into my ute, and my head is full of uh, distillery yeah, stuff, um, and I think all the way. Um, but by the time I walk in the door, um, yeah, I'm, I'm putting it to one side for a bit, and then I get on Facebook just for the hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it never ends, and yeah, especially running your own business. You know, we've also got, and oh, I'm lucky. Like my wife does all the bookkeeping and accounting, and all you know, pays and um, yeah, like small business. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she does a lot. We've actually just um, hired a, a bar manager, like tasting room manager, in the last three months, um, which has been fantastic because Olivia was doing all of that. Plus all the back end stuff, plus looking after three kids as well. So and yeah. looking after me, which I'm, yeah. I'm the big kid. But <laughs> um, yeah. so yeah, you know, that's that's just what needs to happen. You know, um, there, there's so much that happens in the back end of the business that just no one ever ever sees, or and most people don't care anyway. And why should that? It's not their business. So yeah, it's not their business. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So I just want to talk about mental health because um, yep. this is something which is. Yep. I think is very, very important in, in our industry, but not just our industry, small business and, and just life in general. What what do you do? What strategies have you got to protect your mental health? Because you're pulled in all directions. You, you've got financial pressures, production pressures, you know, family pressures, life pressures. Um, so how do you manage your mental health? What did, Yeah, what do you do? I think um, 
Making sure you do spend some quality time with the family every week is always a big one. Um, I always try to, you know, get to the kids' footy training, footy games on the Saturday. You know, we are on a property here. Um, we ride motorbikes when we can. Um, you know, in summer we like to go fishing. Um, you know, just good time away from the distillery. Um, yeah. You know, I've also got bad ways to deal with it as well, which is obviously drinking. <laughs> um, yeah. It's not a solution. I don't advocate that at all. But um, I'm, I'm very well aware of the mental health issues as well. Um, my sister actually works in a lot of that space as well. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, and it is a thing that's becoming more prevalent. Well, it's not becoming more prevalent. It's just more that people are understanding that it is mm. a thing and it's not a dirty word. It's no shame. It's... You know, like it's it's shit that's just been so suppressed in people for so long, and that's just the way society's been. And now we're finally at a point where people hopefully can, you know, feel comfortable in letting people know, yeah, you know, I'm not okay. You know, I'm I'm at breaking point. It's, yeah. But you know, I'm a I'm a fairly resilient person. Anyway, um, yeah, I mentioned my previous job. I did 12 years in the military. That tends to, yeah, give you a fairly good, um, yeah, toughen you up. <laughs> it does, yeah, yeah. It also gives you some other health issues or, and mental health issues, but it's yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you, you've obviously also surrounded yourself with good people that are um, supporting you and, and coming along for the journey as well, which, yeah, which is yeah, great. No, I, I've, I've got a very small circle of friends, but and I just don't have time for time wasters at all. It just yeah. it's, it's not worth your time, basically. Yeah. 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 So you're in a in a remote location then. So to build out your team and continue to build out your team, that must present some challenges, does it? It does. Yeah. No, it's very hard. Um, yeah. Trying to find on the tasting room side, not too bad because you know that's a general hospitality type thing, and hospitality industries are absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Uh, on the distilling side of the shed, you know, finding people and, you know, cause half of the time I'm a brewer, the other half I'm a distiller. So mm -hmm. trying to find people that are qualified, you know, um, and without being able to offer a full-time job and accommodation, it's it's hard to find someone, you know, the only place you can go is to Adelaide to really get someone. Um that and even just finding, you know, apprentices, finding, you know, people trying to find young people that actually want to work these days is quite difficult. Um, just and that's just in yep. general, that's every industry, it's ridiculous. Some of their work ethics are just absolutely terrible, but um, you know, and that's why I'm so excited. This young fellow we're taking on that, you know, he's um, he's already shown interest in brewing, he's done a little bit of commercial brewing before, and he's just, yeah, so keen. And there's you know, there's so much I can teach him and get him up to speed. On that side and yeah but i was just lucky to find staff um and you also you don't want to advertise too many positions if you don't have to because mm. all that happens is you get every man and dog coming out of the woodwork applying for a job and they fully know they're not going to get it because they just want to get their centrelink form signed off so yeah that's, that's another just reality that happens so yeah we've only ever advertised one position and that is for our tasting room manager and we were just lucky that there was a lady that was not happy in the job that she was in and she was yeah more than qualified to take on our, our position here and yeah, she's only 26 herself as well but she's worked mm. hospitality ever since school and yeah she just kills it absolutely kills it so, experience yeah, so, and love love for the job if you if you love what you do yeah. then you won't work a day in your life um or you just, or you just spend all, all day doing it yeah <laughs> you're listening yeah, to there's two sides to that coin 
There are, yeah. there are, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I've got a I've got a little thing yep. above my desk that says exactly what I want to be doing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> what was that? Distilling. <laughs> I'd rather be distilling than tea. I think it's that <laughs> one, isn't it? That it, it looks very, very familiar good. to the one that's beside my desk. So yep. yeah, rather distilling than tea. Yep. That's Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like that. <laughs> so, so my, my no, normal day job is managing a whole lot of teenagers, pretty much. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I feel that, your pain. Is that local to where you are now, or do you have to commute as well? Um, it's very local to where I am. Not not fifteen yep. paces. It's more like yep. nine and a half <laughs> nine and a half k's away, but that's still pretty pretty good. So. That's not bad. It's better than two and a half hours anyway. Oh, no. Escaping out to the shed is, is fantastic. It's, it's it's sort of my stress relief. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, so good. It's great. Different kinds it's, of stress. It, it is quite funny because when, when Todd comes out, sometimes um, I feel guilty. You know, it's it's like it's it's shit weather. There's, there's been traffic. Um, there's a lot yeah. to do in the shed. And Last time, in, minus six. Sleeping Minus out in the swag, and, and he, he sleeps in the swag out on the on the back paddock, and, and I, so. I feel guilty sometimes. So, um, but he goes home and and he just feels regenerated, which mm. is uh, yeah, which is great. What's good yeah. for me? Yeah, no, that's good. It's, it's, yeah. it's been a fun journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, journey. Let's talk about journey. So, Sam, where do you see yourself? Um, where do you want to go with the business? Is it a lifestyle business? Is it? Do you want to expand it much from where you are? Where are you going with it? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a lifestyle choice. What we do here, um, our expansion prospects at the moment is so we're basically well, our distillery is a venue. It is a destination. It's for people to go. You know, we have bands, we have music, we have um, mm. you know, food trucks and all that coming on days. Um, I was talking about that tour block before to extend our capacity up to 300. So we want to do that. We've got another extension to the distillery we want to do with a massive outside deck and another bar. Um, but that, and then that will be it. That'll be our cap on that. Uh, expansion production wise, um, I'm hoping to upgrade the diameter of my columns at some stage to cut down run times. That would be fantastic. Um, if I can cut down a 35 hour spirit run to, you know, 18 to slip it into two days easy, that would be awesome. Wow. Um, yeah. But they're expensive. Yeah. So um, outside of that, it'll be upping capacity of vessels. Uh, we do have space to probably uh, – we could potentially double it. Um, but, again, we we never want to be a massive producer. The only thing I'd love to massively produce is the whiskey. Um, you know, I've, I've got no aspirations to knock out pallets and pallets of vodka or gin or liqueurs and sell them to Dan Murphy's. That's not what we're about. So, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, and, you know, the end game would be uh, to be able to train someone up, to be able to actually manage this, to be actually get away for more than a couple of days at a time. Um, yeah, that would be really nice. Um, yeah, to slowly, slowly let control go of the production floor. That's, you know, but that's a big hurdle to take. Um, you know, my wife let go of control of the bar here, you know, not that she really wanted to, but it was just a necessity of the business. Um, and, you know, and at some stage, I'm going to have to let more of this go as well. I mean, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, this place wouldn't operate. So, and that's not a good thing. 
at all. Yep. You know, you know some, sort of, some sort of succession planning. Um, ultimate goal would be if one of my three children want to take over the business eventually, that would be ideal. Um, How old are you? Uh, at the moment, they're 11, 9 and 8. So, yeah, I've got, got, got a few more years up my sleeve. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to force any of my children to doing something that they don't like. So, yeah. you mm. know, career-wise, that is, you know, they're just going to eat their bloody vegetables. So, <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, just eat. Awesome. Just eat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But, that's you know, that, that would be, yeah, that would be fantastic if one of them would mm. take it over one day. That would be good. Then I can... Buy an RV and do a big lap of Australia and visit every distillery I can. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool, mate. You're That's welcome. A dream. Welcome, welcome, come, welcome to pull the camper out out the back next to. Tom's oh yeah, no, you're one of the first. Stop. Don't worry about that. That'll be yeah. yeah just don't run over him, okay? <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, in, hopefully in ten years' time, COVID's all done with. So we'll probably have COVID too by then. <laughs> oh, true, true. Question then. Um, so as far as getting your product out there. Um, Outside your local area, so distribution uh, bars and that. How how do you handle the distribution side? Do you have a distributor? Do you do it yourself? What, what's your we we do it ourselves, that? but um, to be honest, ninety five percent of our product we sell directly over our bar here. Yeah, so nice. either pouring either pouring drinks or bottle sales. So yes, we do stock. Um, yeah, plenty of places on the peninsula, outside of the peninsula to Adelaide. We're in the Muspark Tanunda, which you know they've got over three hundred gins there. Um, but he actually came here and bought the first bottle that he ever stocked in the bar. Um, and we only supplied him a few more. Uh, we're in the Nostru Bar in East Terrace in Adelaide. That's only recent. Um, we're actually a random one. We're in Parliament House in Adelaide. We had a phone call one day from a guy wanting it. But um, we generally don't push our product anywhere. They are coming to us, which is good. good. Um, no, problem is, though, because of the overheads that I talked about before, we have never been able to offer a proper wholesale price. So what the average punter pays at the bar, that's what a venue is going to pay. So yeah. people are going, oh, we really want to stock your product. That's great. And I've sent them off the list saying, these are our products, these are the prices. And they come back as, oh, where's your wholesale price? They said, that is the wholesale price, mate. And then you don't hear from them again. So um, <laughs> another, but another good eventuation from the tax reform coming up is we are actually going to be able to offer some sort of wholesale price as well. Right. So... I'd like to know the percentage of distillers in Australia that are actually going to not price off their bottles due to the tax reform. I don't think there's going to be many, but, um, you know, we're going to knock the price off for, for um, third parties. But, yeah, you know, our prices won't change in the bar. But, yeah, for actual distribution, we will be able to offer a better price. But, again, I, I don't want to load up all these venues and just be running out of all our products every week. I just no, can't keep up. No, because no, no, you've got to be able to back it up. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's – so pretty much to sum it up, our distribution is not handled very well because we don't really have one. <laughs> but, again, yeah. You don't need you know, it. It would be, be lovely to be in a position where I could pay a rep 60 grand a year and give them a car and a phone and they went around and plugged your product, but that's just mm. not a reality. It's mm. – Not yet. Yeah. No, not yet. You know, people always ask, oh, you know, who's your marketing person? Who's this? Who's that? And it's – every job, it's either me or my wife. It's yeah. – yeah, we <laughs> – we do everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, but that, that's small business. Indeed. Yeah, that's that's small business. We've got uh, Rachel McNeil. Hello, Crafty and the guys. How are you today? So Rachel is from Isla. She runs the Isla Whiskey Academy, a training uh, centre over there. 
And uh, yes, Rachel, it is midwinter there, and it is a big woolly hat, and it is a bit cold. We got down to minus six not so long ago at Celsius. <laughs> but, uh, What's your temperature extremes, uh, Sam? With with your, your um, barrels, you're hot and cold, or yeah, we're hot and cold here. Um, not as cold as you. Um, so we are on a peninsula. We're surrounded by two bodies of water, so that usually keeps us above freezing, um, which is nice, mm. but. Uh, overnight lows minimum go down to probably about three, four degrees here, um, yeah. and then you know middle of summer we can you know crack 43, 44, um, which makes it quite hot in the shed. You can see out the back there's no insulation or anything in the shed. Um, it does get hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah you cook it on the thin roof. I do have a mobile evaporative aircon that I got out of the local bowls club when they upgraded, so that's quite handy. But yeah. yeah. It's still not ideal. Um, I much prefer distilling in the winter. Um, that as well, my recirculation water is much colder. You can strip faster. Things just seem more yep. stable. You don't get such a variation in temperatures. But um, yeah, no, it does. It does change fairly, fairly good here. You know, we usually get about four weeks a year of nice weather. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah. I thought I've been talking all night. What am I going to say now? <laughs> It's always a bit of a challenge. I'm trying to look at the camera. Put it where your head was. Yeah, that's it. What's another good question? What's another good question? All right. Oh, hang on. I'm on a beautiful. The Aisling Rum. And this is getting better and better as it goes down the bottle. It really is. Right. Sorry, Sorry to interrupt as well because. Oh, yeah, no, no. Oh. So, so that actually is a good segue into the question I was going to have. Oh, yeah, go for it. Well, Sam was talking about how he's taking grain from the field and taking yes. it right through to the bottle, which obviously Waterford does as well. Um, mm -hmm. do, you, do you feel that there's a, a, a good market there for, um, what is it, Tawa uh, type products? Oh, well, I, I still firm believe the market's down to the quality at the end of the day. Um, I know we're not the only people doing this. Uh, I know there's mm. ones in Tassie doing it. Um, there's, you know, there's probably plenty around the world doing it. So it's not, it's not anything unique that we're doing. It's only unique because it's on our property. That's, you know, it's unique. Oh, I, think, I think it's fantastic that you're doing it. It's, um, it's something yeah. that, that's... What, what, that's, what came um, first, the, the paddock or the, the uh, di distillery? Ah, uh, the paddock, yeah, the paddock definitely came first. Yeah, the 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 property here's been in my family name since eighteen seventy two, so this is our family farm. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's got a lot of history yeah. here. Um, yeah, yeah, so definitely the paddock came first. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like the crop to drop principle is just you know something that we've had the ability to do. You know, not every distillery is tacked on with a cereal acre cropping venture on the back yes. of it. So. No. As for the market, our story is our point of difference. Um, mm -hmm. A very wise man told me when we were setting this up and we were going around meeting different distillers, um, and he, he said to me, he said, so when you've released your whiskey, why are people going to buy your whiskey? Why is your mm -hmm. whiskey better than my whiskey? You know, what's your story? What's your point of difference? And I walked away from that just thinking, wow, you know, like that's such a great question. But why... How, how can I market that better? And the crop to drop is our point of difference. Um, yep. 
uh, not just for our whiskey, but especially for our gin, our vodka, you know, the amount of consumers that come through that we try to educate on what we do here is, you know, different to other people. Um, and they, I think they either walk away going, wow, that's really cool. They walk around going, what were they talking about? Um, <laughs> you can get a bit of both of that. Yeah. But, but, yeah, but that is our story of what we are, and that is definitely our point of difference in the market. And yeah. do you feel that, do you feel so, that uh, the grain, do you feel that the grain um, adds to the flavour or is it more from the barrels? Uh, well, with the vodka, obviously, any um, residual flavour is from the grain. Um, our vodka is uh, quite um, biscuity and buttery. Um, we're actually quite surprised the flavours that come through on that. Um, it's, got a, it's got a hint mm. of sweetness to it, which is mm. odd because usually sweetness is a sign of heads, but I can guarantee you there are no heads in it. Um, people have even accused of it putting sugar in it, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely no sugar in it either. Um, um, yeah, but with the, um, with the whiskey side, I think the grain... Definitely, the malt definitely tastes different to a base malt that you buy. You know, it tastes different to a Joe White malt. Um, yeah, but that's just because, well, it's the, the grain itself would be no different um, than what's going to a commercial monster. But because I'm getting malted by a small monster, he doesn't have a $6 million malting plant. It's. Mm. <laughs> You know, it's um, so it's you know, really it's, unique flavors are coming in just just because of the it being yeah. Well, the malting process won't be anywhere near exact as a commercial mm. one, but but yeah, the, the the malt is definitely a different flavor to any base malt that I've tasted. Like not not radically different, but mm. it is different. And you know, it's you know the, the grain's only that one part of it. You know, it's yeah, it's mm. the mash temp, it's the ferment temp, it's the yeast type, it's the cut points, it's the way you run it, mm. the steel you run it. Um, right. You know, the barrel you put it in. The barrel is the big one. You know, they reckon what eighty percent of the flavour comes from the barrel at the end of the day. It's you know, it, the, the, the grain at the end's a different thing. Um, people always ask me though, oh, what water do you use like in your process? And I'm like, rainwater, and they're like, oh, really? I'm like. Yeah, you know what the water profile's got to do with fuck all at the end products? Fuck yeah. all. Really. It's mar- you know, that, that's, that's marketing 101 right there, you know. And, yeah, you know exactly. Tasmania's um, done it really well, um, to their credit, and they've just followed the Scottish lead, though, you know. You go to the distilleries in Scotland and it's all about the free-flowing spring out the back and, you know, that's their water. <laughs> so I was thinking to myself, bullshit, that's going straight through an RO plant. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. So what's it got to do with the water, you know? Um, yeah, it's quite well, funny. Uh, Archie Rose pride themselves on the fact that they're using Sydney town water. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's going straight through an RO as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. fully processed. Oh, well, I assume it is. I don't know that for a fact, but I'd, I'd fairly well make an assumption that it is. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the, 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 the concept of a, a wee Scottish burn and uh, – Pulling water straight out is no, it's is marketing. I I, I had a, a bit of a um, a revelation uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I'm 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 really deep diving right now in, into Tawa, uh, and the concept of you know, how it actually does impact whiskey. Um, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by what's happening um, it, with Waterford Distillery. Uh, in Ireland, um, that one there. However, sorry, the- can I just? I have a, a small bone to pick. Yeah, Ned, Ned, if you're listening, it cost me more in shipping. Yeah, to get this than the damn bottle. 
<laughs> now, it's, it's not available in Australia, Sam. It's yeah, a beautiful bottle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great bottle. Beautiful drop. It's a beautiful liquid inside it, but it cost me more than I paid for the actual product to get this friggin' thing shipped here. So, so Ned, we we are going to partition. We're going to partition partition in Australia, <laughs> <laughs> right? Waterford, get off the pot. We need it in Australia. <laughs> Just send it over in a big fucking container and it, yeah, will, sell. Yeah, it, will, it will make your money. It is great. It's lovely. And it's just put it put it on the fucking shelf. Yeah, just yeah. just bring it over. Will you? Just bring it over. <laughs> so so Waterford are very much into Tawa and and proving it in a very scientific mm. way. Uh, to the point that they've had independent peer-reviewed um, research done. Uh, there's a distillery uh, in in the U.S. called TX Distillery, the master distiller there is doing a huge amount of work on, on and terroir. And those two and others, you know, I'm fascinated with terroir. And there's a bit of terroir happening uh, in Australia as well with various distilleries. But one of the main arguments put forward against terroir is uh, distillation is such a destructive process that any flavour profile that comes through on grain would not come through the distillation process, let alone putting it into a barrel. You'll lose it in the barrel. And I heard the first, for the first time, I heard a really valid counter-argument. And the counter-argument was, well, why do distillers fuck around with yeast? Because mm. if distillation is such a destructive process, it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference what yeast you use to, to make your whiskey. And that's horseshit. Whiskey, uh, yeasts have a huge impact on, on, on your flavour profile. So distillation oh, is not so. a destructive process. It's a concentration process. And, and that's, yeah. that just that's blew, right. me. Yeah. That blew me. Yeah, there, there are some compounds that obviously don't pass over in the distillation process. Oh, but of course. At the end of the day, you are distilling. You're concentrating it. That is You're the definition yeah. of distilling. Yeah. But then with the whiskey as well, it's a moot point because you put it in the barrel and if the barrel is aged on your property, it's gaining more terroir from that anyway. True. Because it's aged in location, you know. Mm. Yeah. So, it's all, nah, yeah, it's all it's all terroir, and, and that's that's the thing that I'm starting to get my head around. Terroir is not it's not just the grain; it's 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 the yeast, it's the wild yeast, it's the barrels, it's the the yeah. maturation, it's everything. It's all terroir. Well, and it's the, it's the conditions really that we have. We, we've talked about it yeah. before yeah. about the big storms that come in, and you see our barrels start to really really suffer as as the storms roll in, and yeah, um, with the low pressure and high pressure systems. Yeah. Yeah. Just the yeah, massive absolutely. changes in absolutely. one day. Mm. But yeah, and the concept the concept of eighty percent of the flavor comes from barrels. Not necessarily. Um, it, it really depends on your on your barreling, doesn't it? What what's your barrel uh, policy? If you're going into big heavy barrels you know, that that are saturated, then yeah, of course you're going to have massive mm. flavor impact. But if you're Very going spills. to lighter barrels, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So mm. and the, the barrel obviously does give it a lot. of a lot of the flavour, like eighty percent, is just something I read somewhere. I don't know if that's correct or not, but even if it is a big percentage, still what you change at the start is going to affect the end product. Yep. You know, it's it's all about your your new make spirit that puts in your barrel. If it didn't matter what you put in the barrel, well, you could just make anything and put it in the barrel, and the barrel just tastes like the barrel. It's mm. you know, you might as well put vodka in it and have oak vodka, which sounds terrible, but. Um, you know, like you, yeah, there's a reason why, yeah, you, you fuck around so much with 
mashing and fermenting and distilling it before you put it in the barrel. It's yeah, it's mm-hmm. all those little tweaks that make, and that's what makes your whiskey your whiskey. Um, yeah, do you want me to answer that question while I'm going? Yeah, go for it. Right? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Good question. Yep, no, you're 100% correct. Um, I didn't have the money to buy copper stills, is hence why they're stainless, but they do have copper plates in them. So that's where our interaction with the um, sulfites happens there. Um, yeah, you don't need a great deal of copper in the vapour path to get rid of it. Um, so, yeah, the, it's all copper plated, but, yeah, the, the shells are stainless, all the modules are. So, yeah, it's just a, a cost thing. Hey, if I could drop 200 grand on a nice shiny steel, I would, but it's that's not going to happen anytime soon. So, yeah, that's, that's out of necessity more than anything. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay, now, question for you. So I'm a brand-new distiller. Well, no, I'm not even in the industry, right? Um, I have no experience, and I want to get into the industry. What's your advice for people coming through that 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 way? Now, I... I I add to that question, though, but they're not lazy. Yeah. Well, my first question is always, first question always is, so what, they just want to be a distiller or do they want to own their own business? No, they, 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 they see the dream and they go, mm-hmm. well, that's the life for me. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they have no experience. So how, how would you guide someone in, in that sort of uh, approach? Well, these days with the, you know, the availability of courses, I would say to them, if you're serious about it, yeah, go do a course straight up. Like go do, you know, go do like the IBD course. From what I can tell, that's probably one of the more comprehensive courses. Um, you know, do that. Go to your local distilleries. Go go do work experience. Go say, I'll just shovel malt out of a mash tun for you. You know, like you're going you're gonna to pick up other skills and you're going to get to talk to people. Just get out there and... You know, if, if you really want to be part of the industry, try to immerse yourself in it, you know, like, and research, you know, do, do as much reading as you can, buy buy as many books as you can or read them online, um, you know, it's, but, but pick and, and go to a lot of different cross-sections of distilling as well, you know, if, like, harping back to the gin again, if you wanted to get into gin distilling and you went around to all these gin distillers do the same thing, you'd think, well, that's the only way to do it. So, you know, Talk to three different people and they all tell you the same story. It's like, well, that's all that's all I can do. That's the only way to do it. Which isn't the case. You know, there's always many ways to skin the cat, but mm. and everyone does things different. But that'd be my mm. big advice. And you know, and yeah, just definitely picking a decent course that's gonna give you a good outcome. Um, I see there's some courses been popping up now and they're just so driven and focused on setting up a business aspect. Yeah. It's like that's nothing to do with distilling. Setting up and no. running a business has nothing to do with distilling in the slightest. They're two very separate things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you want to know how to run a business, do a business course. You know, it just sort of seems to be giving people an easy way to get into the industry. And if you know, if you want to start your own business, you got to start from scratch. You know, you got to start. You got to go to your local council. You got to find a premise. You got to get all your approvals. You got to get finance. You got to source your equipment. It's you can't just click your fingers and drop a shitload of cash and have it drop on the doorstep. Well, I guess you can if you've got enough cash, but um, <laughs> you know, but you got to you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And I'd, I'd add to that: if you want to be a distiller, um, then don't underestimate the complexity of brewing. Um, mm, yep. If you're buying yeah. and wash, that's one mm. way. But if you want to, you know, have total control and and brew, you know from the grain, then don't underestimate the complexity of that. that that's that's a whole different oh, yeah. uh, 
category and making and its own a consistent base is is it's hard. Yeah. Oh, if you yeah. don't get the oh, yeah. right, you're screwed the whole way through. No. Basically. Yeah. If if you're in a small if you're in a small operation, a small business, small setup, if you're the only person on the production floor, you can't be the distiller without being the brewer. It's as easy as that. You know, like if you're in a if you're working for a huge company and you know they've got a team of brewers and a team of distillers, okay, fair enough. Maybe you can just distill, mm. but small craft places. Yeah, you have to be the brewer as well. And if you don't know how to brew, well, I don't think you should call yourself a distiller either. So that's, you know, if if you're not actually brewing something to distill, what are you actually distilling? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, if you're buying something that's already been distilled, well, you're only re-distilling it. You're not, you're not actually distilling anything. You're actually reducing it down to a safe level to run it and then re-distilling the same thing. So... Mm. Yeah, and I know that comment is probably going to piss a lot of people off. That's going to piss people off, but that's that's the that's the truth. That is the harsh it's, reality. It's a, hot, it's a hot topic. It's a hot topic. I mean, yeah. it's, it's that and the whole category, the whole question of what is craft, what is a craft distiller. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Everyone has a different interpretation, and I'll yeah. we'll leave it at that. We won't go down that those rabbit yeah. holes. Now, I've got another, <laughs> I, I do another just have one that I thought about on the um on the craft aspect, and these aren't my words. This is actually. Mm. Liquor licensing, so South Australian liquor licensing. When we set up our bar and we applied for, well, we applied for the liquor license. We knew we wanted to sell other local craft products. Yeah. And I spoke to them on the phone, and I said, and they said, "Oh, what do you define as craft?" I said, "Well, I know what I define as craft, but you're the regulatory body. How about you tell me what craft is?" And they ended up writing into our license, so we can sell craft beer as long as it's not made by a public listed company or a subsidiary thereof. So that's their de definition of craft. So if you're owned by the big boys, you're no longer craft in their eyes. Public <laughs> listed. Okay. Okay. My my definition of craft and it's, and it's it's getting redefined all the time. Is yeah, my definition is different to theirs, but yeah. If you touch it, it doesn't matter. I don't think size is necessarily connected to to craft. I think is if you touch it and you understand the whole process and you're involved physically in the whole process. Then you're a craftsman. If that you're a craftsman, you're a craft. It's craft by definition. Mm. That's that's how I see it nowadays. So, and I and I know there's other distillers that say no. It, it's only if you're very very small. And I don't agree. I mean, I I class. Um, what's a good example? Um, Westland Distillery in in the US and and what they do and their their approach to to manufacture and just how how creative and innovative they are. They're craft. They're 100% craft. Right. And they're owned by one of the, the large spirits companies. I don't know which, which one bought them out. But anyway, they've, they've been bought out. Um, in Australia, yeah. lime burners. Um, Cameron Symes owns three distilleries. By any definition, that's a big operation. He oh, still definitely. buys secondhand equipment on Gumtree. Uh, you know, he, he still touches it. That's craft, in my mind, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one to define and everyone does have their own definition of it and it comes down to a case-by-case -case basis, really. But, yeah, I just found it super interesting that that's what liquor licensing defined as craft. So, yeah, you know. list yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you a question. So, in Australia, you have the ADA, which Australia, for those that don't know, is the Australian Distillers Association. Mm. And... In most distilling states, apart from ACT and New South Wales, there is a an association of some sort. Um, so in your in your state, it's the South Australian Spirits Producers Association from memory. Yeah. 
So in New South Wales, a few of us have got together and go, well, nothing's happening. We've talked about this for years. And in New South Wales, we should do something. So we've formed a working group with nine distilleries, New South Wales distilleries, and a 10th one uh, in ACT. So we're going down the line of an association. We're only a working group at this stage. You're part of the association over there. Um, and I've seen big things happen with the local government over there and promotion of the distilling industry and that. So what's your take on the associations, the benefits of it? And uh, yeah, where do you see the association going in, in the future? Um, I've only been a member of the ADA since earlier this year. Um, yeah. We did join the SASPA forum, um, I don't know, last year or early the year before, whenever it was. Um, yeah. Never really, there was never really a great deal of interaction with it. We went down to a trade forum uh, down at Lot 100 and I sat there and listened to it all and um, didn't agree with everything that was said. A lot of it was just very, very focused on who can become the biggest and the best and get bought out the fastest, which I just, you know, just didn't float my boat at all. Um, they did have some good points and I did join the ADA after that and this is obviously when the tax reform was trying to get pushed through very hard and, yeah. you know, Got that. So, yeah, join the ADA. What benefit I get from that? I'm actually more looking forward to hopefully getting to the national conference. And that's yeah, to cool. meet more line market, like minded distillers like me as well. Um, but, you know, having said that, when our sponsorship for SASPA comes up again, I don't know if we'll even renew it. Um, you know, why be part of two organisations that are, you know, the ADA has got more pull with everything. Um, I just, you know, how many how many groups do you want? You know, and do you want a, another local one? Do you want to be like tiered, like council, or you know, state, I and think, federal I governments? Think or I think it's more accessing though the local government. Um, you know, potential for funding and and uh, tourism opportunities and promotion and that. And, and the, the local governments right now, particularly, seem very focused in, in trying to drive new business. Um, so I know from my own personal perspective, my involvement in the working group is is to see does it give us a platform with local government we you know you, you've got you've got a voice if you've got numbers um, yeah so yeah it'd be interesting to see um because i know tassie's done a really good job um yeah they're they're very very organized down there and uh yeah sasbar seems to be getting well organized as well and they've accessed funding i believe for for tourism uh, promotion as well so with mm. the, what is it, SA Distillery Trail? I think that's what it is. I'm uh, not sure if that was funded by the government, though. I've got a oh, feeling really? that was actually... No, I, I, I don't know. I've never seen anything say that it was, but I thought that was actually oh, okay. just an independent thing done. But I, I could be wrong with that. Um, yeah, I, again, I don't follow a lot of that stuff very closely. Um, you know, I just tend to try to do what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. my question for you is, so what is it you'd want from your local government? What would you... Be hoping that the group would be able to achieve well for, from a new south wales standpoint um so we're the gateway to international tourism um i know that because um, i've had some dealings with tourism in, in the past um went to a couple of education seminars and that and so when the borders do open it, it's it's unquestionable there's going to be a flood of internationals uh, back into australia so if the New South Wales distillers, and we're the largest distilling state in, in Australia, bar none, uh, if we get organised and we can go to council, go to government and say, hey, we're a body, 
uh, we're another tourism opportunity. You've got wineries, you promote wineries heavily, uh, craft breweries to, to a lesser extent, but um, you know, we're here. Um, and maybe we can get funding for advertising and, and promotion and, and events, you know, run events and things like that. So, but I'm only one member in the working group. I know the working group's got other ideas as well, um, which will be, yeah, be interesting to see how it all, all unfolds. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I, I I do get the point of all these groups, and but unfortunately, what a lot of them are fighting for isn't in my real interest. So it's mm. that and add, add location as well. You know, we went down to that trade forum because we knew that was going to be a big one. They'd had plenty of other meetings with Sasper that were you know called like the week before, and you know it takes us an hour and a half, two hours to drive to Adelaide to. And then, you know, if we're going to stay the night, we're going to get accommodation. We've got yeah, three kids. It's, you know, it's not, we can't just duck around the corner and catch up with everybody. So, yeah. you know, we've mm -hmm. been quite removed from that. You know, we've left to fend for ourselves a lot of the time. But, you know, on a lot of your promotion and things like that, you know, we've got a good working relationship with our local um, SA Tourism Council and Regional yeah. Development Australia in our local area. And they do more for us than the local government ever will. So, yeah. Okay, oh, that's good. That, that's mm. an interesting take. That's interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, so we will see you at the ADA conference then, in, in uh, hopefully in Melbourne. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can okay. all get there. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other big problem. But um, yeah, yeah. no, nah, need to need to try to lock in some. Hopefully, all my babysitters are back from their holidays up north where it's warm. So yeah, should be good to go. Hopefully, by then. <laughs> yeah, everyone seems to piss off when it gets cold. So yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Hi guys, well, we're at one twenty-five. So uh, around the room, any final comments, and uh, we'll wrap it up, eh? So, Luke, you got any final comments? Ned, Ned, yeah, sort it out, mate. Sort it Ned, out. Sort it out. <laughs> now, Sam's been great. Been great chatting with you. I love yeah, the please. idea of of the uh, the uh, how, how did you put it from from. Drop um, to drop to drop. drop drop to drop. Yeah, brilliant. Mm. I think that's mm. absolutely brilliant, uh, and certainly innovative, and uh, a, a definitely a point of difference. Mm. So yeah, absolutely, pretty well, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Todd, mm. you got any comments? Any final wrap-up comments? No, Sam. It's been great talking to you, and um, yeah, looking forward to having a dram with you at some stage. When we can finally Definitely. get to Adelaide or yep. to South That's Australia. Fantastic. Yep. That'd be excellent. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And you, Sam, sure. what's your. Yeah. No, no. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I hope I hope the viewers um, like it. Hopefully, I haven't pissed too many people off with what I've said. But if I have, if I have stiff shit, unfortunately. But <laughs> um, yeah, but no, it's been great. And yeah, it'd be yeah awesome to catch up with you guys at the forum in Melbourne. Hopefully, yeah, we can make it there. And yeah, that would be excellent. I know there's a lot of distillers out there that I want to meet, um, some that I've, you know, I just, again, haven't had time to contact or anything, but, um, yeah, that would be great. to. I'm a true believer of meeting people in person as well. You know, this is the next best thing, I guess, with technology mm. these days. But, yeah, it's not the same as being able to sit down with someone and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So, nah, nah. Yeah, mm. looking it's forward to that. a nice Australian nah. spirit. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so guys, let's, let's um, call it, Luke. 
Yeah, yeah. So just a reminder for everyone to follow us on Facebook, uh, YouTube, yep. uh, hit the subscribe button on uh, Apple Podcasts, on, um, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify. Just follow us on everything. Even if you only listen to one of those, follow us on everything. It just helps out immensely. Uh, also, hit up uh, Sunny Hill Distillery on Facebook. Uh, yep. I will post a link into the uh, chat that's gone on right now. Um, yep. And obviously, jump on the website. You've yep. got your whiskey yeah, pushing two years. Is there a mailing list we can get on to uh, know what's going on or just follow the Facebook? Facebook's the best one. We're on Instagram as well. But, yeah, Facebook is our biggest platform for keeping okay. uh, customers up to date with everything. It's just it's easy and it's free. Wonderful. So, all right, uh, follow on Facebook. The link is in the um, uh, in the comments there. And, and, please, and please subscribe because subscribe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because and, if and you do subscribe, you once we hit 800, and 800 surprise. subscribers is Cooper for a day with uh, YN Cooperage, uh, Andrew Young, who was on earlier uh, earlier in our chat, yeah, whether yeah. he's still there or not, I'm sure he is. Um, must, he, he must, uh, must be heard me talking about uh, Silverfield Cooperage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His ears were burning. Like, oh, yeah, what? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Andrea has um, generously... Uh, giving us uh, a awesome prize of mm. Cooper for a day. Uh, so once we hit that magic uh, eight hundred, two, 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 a couple. So we got two. We got a couple. Oh fuck! A two, yeah. We've two got spots. a couple of prizes. Two spots. two spots of the cooperage. Two spots. Ah, of the cooperage. okay, awesome. Two spots. Fuck, it and, just keeps growing. And, and we've all got McHenry's. McHenry's. McKen mm-hmm. Yeah, so we the other side day. Of the distillery. Yeah, a night in uh, uh, what is it, Mount Arthur, Port in, Arthur. Uh, in Tassie. Yeah, he's on Mount Arthur at Port Arthur. Oh, Mount Arthur, sorry, you're right. Yeah, absolutely right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stand corrected. Yeah, near Port <laughs> Arthur. Uh, yeah. So yes, yeah, so we've got some awesome prizes on the go there. Um, so definitely hit the follow button, and then once we hit that 800 mark, uh, somebody. Uh, will win those prizes, uh, which would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, cool. And uh, yeah, obviously follow us on Facebook and whatnot, and we will let you know when the next uh, when our next chat is. Who have we got lined up next, Crafty? We've got Jesse from Chasing the Craft. A, um, a in the, in New Zealand, it's um, legal to home distill, and so Jesse is a well-established distiller. In his own right, but he's also a podcaster, international podcaster. Oh. Mm. Um, is that the one that does that um still it series? Yeah, still it. Yeah. 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 So then that pop up or something. So yeah. Yeah. That'll be that'll be that'll be a fun session. So we got that. <laughs> uh then we oh actually, hang on. Yeah, then we got Peter Belgrove from um Belgrove Distillery, which will be pretty awesome. Uh then we've got Westland Distillery coming up. Um, that's the lock. I can't remember the date off the top of my head. August sometime. Uh, we've got Old Kempton's coming up. Uh, we've got Spirit of the French Lick, which is an American distillery. Um, and one of the big ones, um, they're all big, um, but one of the big ones is we've got a, a Waterford distillery, uh, Mark Rainier, who is a renegade, um, just 
totally inspirational, this guy, and what he's done from a terroir perspective. Um, and uh, we're doing a, a session with Mark, Mark Rainier and also Stu Wycross from Voyager Craft Malts, and it'll be specifically talking about terroir. Um, and mm. I'm really, really looking forward to that one. And be so I, I just realised that that's my birthday. Oh, there you go. Well, we're gonna we'll have we'll have a special dram with you then. <laughs> a special dram. A special. Maybe it's a Waterford. If, if Nettle, that's it. We'll out. we'll come around and help you drink your Waterford. <laughs> Indeed, all right, you, guys. I'll save some for you. All right. Yeah. Thank you all. Thanks, Sam. Thanks. Appreciate no it. Worries. We'll no. See you around. Yeah, okay. And uh, we'll catch you down ADA conference hopefully. Mm. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Yeah.